Can you truly be authentic, different and unconventional and succeed at life, work and leadership? Oh yes you can. Welcome to What Makes a Maverick in a Crisis, a podcast with attitude. So if you've ever wanted to be different and didn't know where to start, join me here right now. Clarity begins at home. Special episode of What Makes a Maverick in a Crisis podcast. It's the audio of last week's Shed Talks from Queen TV, which was on the subject of how to think clearly when you're working at home. A conversation with Peter Glover about the key aspects of working at home and how to nail your focus, your clarity and your productivity. Welcome you to Queen TV. So good afternoon, Carol and Peter, and welcome to Quinn TV. You're the last show of the week, and it's the it's for me. It's the best show. It's just just awesome. Keep thank you, <laughs> thank you for joining us again this week. Okay, thank I'll you, Graham. You. Thank you. Right, hello everyone, and tonight we're going to do a some um, <laughs> viewers' requests tonight. So, um, you know, obviously throughout the pandemic, people have faced a lot of situations and a lot of difficulties. And one that I particularly um, am conscious of is working at home because obviously I'm an executive coach. And therefore, um, I'm interested in how people cope with their work and what they're doing and how it's all going for them. And so this week, the, the um, topic that I've been asked to sort of share some thoughts and, and you know, have a, a chat, the two of us about, is how do you declutter your thinking when you're working at home? Because when you're at home, there's an awful lot of distraction. And so how clear really is your thinking when you're at home? And I want you to have a little bit of a think about that. Because um, when you're at work, you have the work stuff and you are at a desk or, you know, in a shared space or whatever, and you're working and you have in front of you your work and you generally have colleagues to relate to and you have a boss who's, you know, setting the tone or certainly setting priorities. And of course, when you're at home, you firstly are in a completely different setting. Secondly, you have a lot of things that trigger you. Um, which, you know, perhaps are not there at work, are they? Like, you know, the family running around. In our case, the little dog wanting to uh, get involved all the time. Um, things that automatically distract and trigger you. So, you know, there are many, many reasons why it is much, much more difficult to stay focused at home. And hopefully we're going to not just touch on what the reasons are that we stay, um, we get distracted at home, but we're going to have a talk today about some tips and techniques for helping you Day, much more focused. So Peter, what, what are you thinking about this topic? I think just what you said there, I think my initial thought is that I think humans without knowing, we, we do love our routines. And we very much have routines depending on where we are. So I think when we go to work in particular, without knowing it, we actually get into a fairly, not a set routine, but there's a fairly defined structure. Because even with the introduction there, even within that, there is always inbuilt distraction in a typical working day, because you've got other colleagues who may come and see you and want to deal with their issues now, which may be important to them, mm -hmm. but may not be to you. And of course, the boss syndrome for anybody is always an issue, because the boss's priorities always take priority over yours generally. So you may have to stop what you're doing, may have to go off mm -hmm. with them somewhere. So I think 
sometimes because we're used to that kind of regular distraction, we kind of build it into our working day. Mm. But maybe when you put us in a completely different circumstance and we're all like, oh, okay, I'm actually not sure what the distraction is going to be here. That's my initial thought. Mm. So that's kind of what it's done there. And we've gone from one pool to another. It's like, yeah. oh, hmm, okay. And I think there's an element as well, going back to something you've just mm. said there, of intensity. Because I think sometimes the intensity with which you work at home well, really is intense because you're very, you, you've got the thing in front of you and you're very, very into it and you're very focused about it. That doesn't necessarily mean you've got clarity though. It just means that you're very intense on the thing that you're doing. Because when you're at work, there are people asking you things. There is wandering to get a cup of tea and obviously you still do that. But then, you know, you have the water cooler conversations and you're interacting with people and you're going, oh, let me just run this by yeah, you. In some ways being at home is almost as though you're doing an exam. Yeah, yeah, I think that's And I think you're under that mindset, you must yeah. try and get as much done as quickly. As possible. When, yeah. when a typical working day, you just, you work yeah. out your own flow. Literally, so you, yeah. Depending on, you might have a productive morning, then yeah. you get ahead of the curve, you might get slowed down in the morning, and you think, okay, you get mm. a sense of catching up. Yeah. Whereas, I don't know, maybe, well, that's my initial thought, yeah. That, that may keep no, I think, I think that's important. I think the other thing that I hear from people is it's hard to get going some days as well. You know, when you go into the work environment, you at least get, you know, hello, how are you doing? You know, get on, get on with it and get your cuppa and then go and sit at your desk. And you've made that crossover from being at home mm -hmm. to being at work. But when you're at home and you go in the room next door to do some work, you're still at home and you know you're at home. And sometimes leaving behind the home stuff and stepping into the work stuff is not so easy. Now, the reason I personally can talk about this a lot is that I gave up going to work um, last September and I've been doing it for 40 years. So I have been getting used to the working in isolation from colleagues and people are, and, and you know, a boss and colleagues and people around me. And I didn't really enjoy it. And I gravitated towards scenarios where there were shared spaces or there were people I could be with and work with and engage with because I am inherently a social worker, even not a social worker, but a social comma worker because I learn and progress by interacting with others by chatting to others by getting input and advice from others and then turning it into a plan and executing it so of course once you take the ability to bounce off others interact with others away from me personally then i have to develop a different way of working however one of the little um, things that has been pretty handy um, being at home, of course, is the technology. And yes, you can have a, a full on Zoom like this, a Zoom call. Um, but I've also found myself using WhatsApp more and more as well, which is something I never used to do. And obviously, I don't want to bombard other people with um, with uh, distractions. But at the same time, there are some key people that I can quickly ping a message off to and just say, what do you think about, or could you give me some input to, and they do the same to me, and I do it, and actually, that gives me what uh, someone taught me a couple of years ago, the phrase, a pattern interrupt, and it breaks sometimes what I'm doing, and that's a good thing, because I do feel myself, because of the way I work, I can get very intense when I'm into something at home, and I can switch everything else off, but that isn't always necessary necessarily clear and uncluttered thinking it's almost obsessive thinking in my case so that's something i'm very very conscious of with myself now 
I think the other thing, I was going to use some literature stuff um, tonight as well, because there's a quote that I always have a little smile about. Um, John Donne wrote a book called No Man is an Island. And so, you know, we're not meant to be on our own. But of course, I, why do I always smile at that? Because I live in an island called the Isle of Man, and it is an island. So there's no man is an island except for the Isle of Man. But in the way that I work and interact and behave, I am not an island, and I'm never going to be. And, uh, you know, it's hard for me. You know, people who know me know I'm a chatterer, know I love to interact. And this is how I learn and make decisions and move things forward. So really, really hard to, for me sometimes to stay in that place of um, forward momentum and forward movement, which it's I really, really like. To just help everyone watching this is that to pick up on that, what you're saying there, Carol, you, you do kind of like inbuilt disruptions mm. during the day. Mm. So, so my my question would be: Is is one issue for you, say now in this particular unusual situation, is that you get unplanned disruption, in that you're not really in control of the disruption? You see what I'm saying? I think sometimes you like to contact people and, and do different things. Yeah. So you've got more than one thing. Yes. More than one plate in the air. Yes. But you're the one who starts each plate. Yes. Now, I think sometimes in this particular situation, a lot of other things, they are dog, whatever it could be, could be children, whatever it is, they who are not in a typical working life suddenly want their needs tending to. Yeah. And I think that then, I think it's interesting that word distraction, isn't it? That then becomes a different kind of distraction. Yeah. That becomes a distracting distraction, whereas yeah. that other word distraction you were using, it's almost like a sort of, to get up and go almost it's kind of, yeah, it's yeah kind of i think what it yeah. is is the, you're absolutely right i think the personal distractions um and you know the one that pete is referring to most is our little dog yeah, bertie yeah. who seems to want to accompany me whenever i'm working mm -hmm. but then he tries to go out of the door and get booking uh, in begging for a dog treat but he's doing it all the time and if you've ever done a zoom with me mm -hmm. um you'll know how often this happens and when he really doesn't get his way he stands next to me and barks at me and i don't want those distractions because i find those very you're, right you're also the same with children the, it is. Children dogs, this is my world this is my little children, I'm sure the same. and i have to say how very impressed i am with the amount of people that i've zoomed with who've had their kiddies well i have one um person i zoom with quite often whose child is uh, climbs up the doorway behind them and their balance is <laughs> on it and i think jesus i hope they don't fall off but and um, they love it and um i love the way that the parents are keeping their um demeanour so balanced when they are getting mega mega distractions uh, so, so I think that's, it, that's an interesting aside isn't it yeah. because that's an interesting take on probably two people who don't want that distraction yeah and you know the old best practice phrase yeah that's kind of oh, that's interesting so I'm sure that person doesn't want their child to be doing this yeah but they also realize that they keep getting annoyed by it yeah, they keep distracting themselves. You see, coming to that. Yeah, and, and the I child think, is not trying yeah. to put off their parent. Yeah, so and I think that's role. right. And I think um, the key about this is, you know, we what we've got is it's very nice. Peter used the word, I think it was routine, was it routine yeah, we, see, we yeah, used we. before? Well, one of the words that I use and that we do very well in the work setting is boundary setting. Yeah. We set boundaries around ourselves. We can set boundaries around our times. Our time and those same boundaries are not possible at home when you've got other people in the house that are sharing the house with you and particularly when you've got others like the, the children um, parents um, you know the the, 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 the dog the cat the animals 
um, and they don't really want you there any more than you want to be there sometimes. And you are there and you are all having to coexist together and you are all trying to stay focused on what it is you need to stay focused on. Mainly when I picked up air carriers, it's interesting when I was in the mindfulness world trying to find time to meditate when I was training Mm. and just generally in life. Maybe I know what we're Mm. doing is, maybe you have have to have a room which was in a family. Mm. If if that one of the parents is in there and the Mm. door's shut, Mm. you don't go in. Yeah, it's not as if they do it all day long. But if they're taking an important call, or say their mm. boss is on, or you know they're going to a Zoom meeting, you know, with other colleagues, mm. and I think children, to be fair, are not, are not unreasonable. You mm. know, at the end of the day, mm. they definitely know. Yeah, that, that that's their time because because children also do like their own private time. Exactly. And our dog does it. Or sometimes he wants to go off and sleep, and he doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want to wake him up. So yeah. it's a funny one because in many ways everyone's got their own boundaries, but every now yeah. and then. They get blurred, and we kind of kind of cross over. Uh, yeah, annoy each other. I think what's been nice though is is that you pointed out this point about that there are positive distractions and the yeah, negative. Yeah, yeah, and I hadn't even thought about that because quite often when I do the little WhatsApp thing or mm. quick email or have a quick call with somebody these days, it's to move something forwards. So to me, so you don't get bogged down on one thing. That's a very positive way. Even if it's, I get a WhatsApp about moving something yeah, yeah, forward yeah. that isn't what's in front of me. I'm like, oh, great, we've moved that forward. Because that's, that's, that's what I'm that's doing. important. It's because yeah. there's been lots of research on this now. How distracted we are by technology. Yeah. So some, yeah. a lot of people will say, I'm, you know, social media distracts yeah. me. The constant emails and king of your phone and whatever. Yeah. But we're all different, aren't we? And I think we've all learned to cope in different ways with the technology no mm. so you either ignore it yeah. or you have one phone well, most of the which time, is work only or one you know you know, saying, so you know which well, one you can ignore it most of the time i switch off notifications anyway so you know it's a bit rude but i'm not um but that, that's a tip i would give if you want to stay really focused mm. either switch them off or put your phone and whatever in another room and don't have it there and i do agree with you um peter that you know you've got to create no matter where you're living and you know some people are living in in small properties we are very fortunate that we have a lot of rooms to choose from so we can work in different rooms and that's someone can always choose a bedroom and a bedroom allowed you can can go in different rooms they can be both parents working yeah well no there are are. and they may have to do homeschooling yeah i have have someone i zoom with regularly where both parents have you know high high jobs they're both working at home and they've got two young children at home getting homeschooled being homeschooled in the current scenario So, you know, and, and they don't live in, in um, a house the size of the house yeah, that we've got. So they have to make the best of it and they do a remarkable job at it as well, a remarkable job. But it does come back to, in your own little way, boundary setting, doesn't it? So it comes down to, we need to create a workplace when we're at home. That is the place where we work, as opposed to whatever else we do at home, that's everywhere else. And I, this is this has worked for me, for sure. And I have a couple now as well, because I change them a bit from day to day so that I don't get too bored. Or when the sun's out, one place is brighter and it's better for me because it's much more uplifting and it's much more positive for me. So that that is one really good tip that I would give. But um, in I, terms of... T- sorry, Peter, go on. I was going to chip in. I think another interesting point about depending on what, so I'm very much a morning person. So in terms of my working life, I, I would take every opportunity to work early at pre-breakfast, mm. the pre-getting up time. Yeah. Some people are night owls. So say you're in the, say you're certainly if you're in the, in the children's scenario, 
mm. I think early mornings after mm. bedtime is a good time because the one good thing about employers that you are not you you can it's getting the work done mm. it, it, it's not whether it's done between nine and five mm. and you know it's not like a school you're sending in essays or returning work and whatever it's not kind of like that we're grown-ups about it and so if, if you're a young mum you might be up early half past five I, mean, mm. I know your sister in America that day all the time when she's bringing her children up always get like those words and mm. I, I, I think that's always a safety net mm. if if things get super disruptive mm. Yeah, you know, so so that's just just so I'll throw it in there now. And it, it, you've got to find there's no routine, which is the same for all of us. Like no work routine is, but there's a routine that's going to work best in your personal circumstance. Yeah, and that's why even within the same family, mine would not be the same as Carol's. So there's no right and wrong. Like you no. know, it, it, it's whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think that's important. But I think that's the other aspect of it as well is that it's a team environment. Mm. So when you're at home there's more than you, you know, I, I like going to work and I have my things and yes, there are people around me and whatever, but I'm very much in control of how I set my pace, how I set my timing, how I divide my time up. And um, when you're at home, you've got other people to think about. You've got other people to factor in their needs. You've got other, you know, domestic things to factor in as well as the work. So identifying the golden spots in your mm. calendar the golden time spots in your calendar is absolutely vital and you know i've noticed with peter in um the well it's not so much even just working at home this mm. but it's he has now years ago i read knew of the book by robin sharma i think it's the 5am manager mm. Or 5 a.m. routine, and I think Tim Ferriss um, talks about it, and it's about 5 a.m. and it's all about the history behind how, you know, when we we lived um, thousands of years ago, we got up at sun up, and of course sun up at the moment is at least it's, five, it, it, it's five. It's 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 in five the 5 a.m. zone, and uh, but, you know you're at your most productive and you're at your most positive and your energy levels your are rest, high. Yeah. And, um, you know, what's happened since we've been back on the Isle of Man, of course, with Bertie, um, our little dog, mm. he has been quite disrupted in his body and timings. And he actually gets up about five something in the mornings. And good old Peter kindly gets up with More him. More often than I stay up. And yeah, he yeah. stays up and he works and he's hyper, hyper productive. Yeah, but yeah. And um, I actually wake an hour earlier than I used to as well. But I stay upstairs in, mm. in the bedroom and I read. Or, and do social media and do things for one hour before you know I start commencing my day and that clears the decks for me on some things that um, I want to do every I was also day. Gonna mention, Echo, you mentioned about the transition when you're at home as a transition from yeah. home to work yeah if you haven't got the drive or whatever yeah. you get to and from maybe that's the way of doing it mm. in that when you're getting up between getting up between breakfast and starting work yeah you have a pretty set routine yes yeah. It's not driving, but it's something where your brain, it's like yeah. any habit we know after a while, like, oh, hang on, I'm getting into work mode here. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. And then and then when you do sit down at your desk, your brain's kind of, okay, mm. it's work time. Okay. And then that cuts down that sort of filter a bit. And I think, um, you know, I read um, a book recently that talked a lot about Winston Churchill's, mm. um, how he worked. And he was a lot of the time at his, his country, ho um, country home, Chartwell. Yeah. Chartwell. And he used to have a massive routine. And if anyone saw the movie The Darkest Hour, mm. you know, he would get up and he'd spend two hours in the bath every morning. And he'd read all his papers. Yeah, his cigar, his soaked, whiskey and his whiskey. And he'd read the paper for two hours every morning. <laughs> yeah, and then he'd get dressed and do some work. And then he'd get, he'd get ready and he'd have a formal lunch every day with his wife. 
and then he would do some more work after lunch then he would get changed late afternoon into his casual clothes and he would either go painting or depending how he, he felt building a brick wall because that was his big release and then every evening he would dress for dinner with his wife and then the cycle would start again the next day and that is how he achieved and became super productive. And he was at home and that was his working life. Yeah. Was and yeah. the reason that, that that's quite important is because that's that's a long time ago and that was a person under immense pressure and they were working remotely and they were you know didn't have the communication and the connectivity that we all had but he was doing it in a way that made sure that he knew when he was the most productive he did the things that needed him to be the most productive and yeah. so when people ask me today will you do how how do you clear your thinking how do you make space for real sort of clarity around thinking the first thing i would be saying is when are the times that you know that you are good at thinking you know if you ask me to do thinking at seven o'clock at night i'm tired i'm tired these mm. days my best thinking in the morning is definitely in the mornings and i wouldn't have said that 15 years ago mm. but it definitely definitely is so i tend to structure my working into more routine in the afternoon yeah, some admin some routine and allow it to the mornings to develop a bit and there's something important about that as well it's about when you schedule meetings yeah. do you have meetings when you're at your absolute best or do you have and this is zoom calls and whatever yeah. or do you have them when you just can relax a bit more and just pay attention and make notes and mm. build up something so you need to really think about that what is this thinking how do you, if you want to talk about think about developing your business then you owe it to you and your business to be absolutely spot on with your thinking that goes on around that and that needs to be your golden moments in your diary when are they and if you know when they are then put that time aside and what i do with my diary is i color code it i color code my outlook calendar um clients that i mentor i show this to it's I've done it for years. I don't use apps because I'm not, you know, I have enough apps to keep going for my life. It's like my washing machine. I want to have six that I use all the time, not um, 120. <laughs> um, so that's what I do. But I use small, simple tools and techniques and I color code my diary. And there are times in my diary where if I've got to do something that I know is going to be harder or challenge me more or need me to think more, I put them in when I'm going to be fresher and i know when that is in the, it's generally the mornings for me and it's generally you know 9 30 till 12 i would say now bizarrely today um as my day went on i had a really sweet couple of hours after after lunchtime today so i actually switched what i was going to do and put in some work that i was wasn't expecting mm. to do today i work on my own business uh, but i put in work that i wasn't expecting to do because all of a sudden i realized that i was in a really good place to think and understand and get some really good thinking written down and that is my next tip really is you can't think clearly to order so on the one hand i've given you the advice that you sort of know when your best time to think is and you do but you can't think to order you can't think clearly to order now what you can do is you can build yourself up to thinking better by putting pieces putting like almost like churchill's bricks in the wall putting bricks in the wall and that's what i do 
when I'm th I've got a topic and I know some really big thinking is needed around it, I generally start a shared folder somewhere. I either do it in email or I do it in Dropbox. And as I'm think thinking pops into my head, I build the picture in a shared folder of what I think needs to happen for that item. And then what I do is I schedule um, a couple of days ahead a spot when I think is my thinking time. And I set, and I've been doing a lot of this this afternoon, so I can talk about it really easily. I have scheduled some time next week for things that I've gathered enough stimulating information together to be able to write something and do something, you know, really important about next week. And that's what I've done. So I have created forward momentum and I've created a will for myself to sort out some big complicated things in a couple of slots next week because I need to have really, really clear thinking for them. And, um, you know, that's important. Now, I wanted to touch on a topic that is sort of related to, um, well, it's not, it's not sort of, it's super related to this subject and you may not think it is. So people said to me, yes, Carol, how do you clear your thinking? How do you make clarity to do really, really good thinking? Um, because, you know, you're isolated, you haven't got people to chat to, you haven't got people to bounce off. And I want to go back to what I've just said, but I want to say one other thing. There's a lot, something that has mattered to me all of my career in terms of my motivation, my ability to perform, my ability to be happy in my job is one word. And I did some research today on this one word. And if you have this one word at work, in research, bar none in the last five years, if you have this one thing, you have increased job satisfaction, increased motivation, increased well-being, increased creativity, and increased happiness. And this one word applies to every single one of us working at home. And the word is autonomy. So when you say, um, what is it you'd like to have at work most? The best answer, the, 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 the most motivating and best place for many, many, many people, not everybody, but many, many, many people is autonomy. Tell me what it is you want me to achieve over here and let me get there myself and don't micromanage me and don't you know get in my way and don't try and make me go over here because that's where you want me to get to. When you have a relationship like that with your employer, your boss or your company, then it's a wonderful way to work. And by the way, you may not end up here because you may end up going back and saying, you know, I'm heading here. Actually, I can get twice that far because I found a better way to do it now. So what I would say to you is that much as if someone said in, in your old work office environment, you can have complete autonomy to achieve this project or this goal, you would go, I would go, you brilliant, that's just what I want. In fact, that's how I want to work all the time. That's how I have worked all the time because it's been so important to me. So every one of us has now been put in a scenario where theoretically we have lots of autonomy as long as we're not getting micromanaged with phone calls all the time and, and, and whatever. So if we actually think that we're in a great place to be for motivation, creativity, happiness, thinking, well-being, then don't we owe it to ourselves to use all of those pluses 
to think well and clearly about where we're headed and what we're doing and where we're going and how we're going to contribute to the bigger part of the organization, the culture, the goals, the objectives, the results. And so I think a little bit of it is about flicking a switch in our minds that says, do you know what? This could be the best thing that's ever happened to me, being autonomous. Well, I was just going to pick up on that. So I think you think what's happening in the workplace now. I was just reading today about Canary Wharf, 150,000 employees that has, and they're making plans for going back to work. Mm. They're expecting 10% mm. in the short term, 10% of staff. Mm. That's 15,000. Mm. So the other 135,000, whatever that number is, they're working at home as they are now. And so even going ahead a year from now, maybe you'll find any, you only have half of them in there. You might well find that companies now realise that so many of their staff can do, can be probably even more effective at home. And I think in some ways, this is a brilliant chance for all of us in very strange circumstances. I think employers are going to be very sympathetic and understanding mm. the situation we're all in. Mm. But it'll give you a chance, as Carol would like to say, you can fall over, not fail, and learn. Mm. You can actually get things wrong, and, it, and mm. it's going to be okay. Because mm. your boss is not going to jump on your head. Because, mm. because you know, they're just grateful you you're doing your best to get some work done, mm. and very because they'll, they'll be in the same boat. Yeah, these bosses have also probably got children, grandmothers, yeah. and fathers they can't yeah. see. They've got the same stresses yeah. that me and you have got. So if once we're all in the same, yeah. we are literally all in it together. And that's one of these very rare circumstances that whatever job you've got, you're pretty much dealing with the same stuff. So. Um, let's think about this autonomy word again then, mm. because people are being able to, so, so it's, yeah, working from home, in brackets, autonomous working, you know, and we can work autonomously, and the great thing about working autonomously is we can use our own skill sets to get mm. to where we need to be, instead of having other people observe and think, oh, that's not the sort of way I want it done, or that's not the sort of way it needs to be. And I do appreciate that lots of people have jobs involving tech that get yeah, measured, yeah. and there are tick boxes and whatever, and that is hard to be autonomous um, when you're getting, you know, measured on all of that. But I think there are three key um, three, three key areas to make the most of autonomous working. And the first one is having, um, knowing where you're headed. In fact, it's probably four. It's knowing where you're headed and what you need to achieve. So what is the ultimate purpose that you need to achieve? And you need to have strong and clear guidance around that. So this is the relationship you have with the company, the boss, whatever you want to call them. Be very clear about what they are wanting you to achieve while you're working at home. And if you don't know the answer to that, get the answer to that. Because second guessing at work is bad enough. Second guessing when you are 15 miles away from the, or in, in some cases 500 miles away and further from the person who actually knows. You can't, you can't work like that. It's very unsettling place. And this is where autonomy doesn't work because autonomy relies on you actually knowing where that place is that you're going to end up at. So start off with really strong and clear guidance. Then set some boundaries around how you're all going to work because it's unreasonable. If you're in a team of 20, mm. you're still in a team of 20, even when you're working at home. So you need to set some boundaries around when you're all going to interact and when you're going to be together. And are you still going to have your weekly sales meeting? And are you still going to have your weekly review of opportunities meeting? 
Because the answer needs to be yes to all of these. You need to have some boundaries that say, we're not going to do free working and autonomy all the time. We're going to have some normal random spots that we hit that people interact and do work. And I have some um, completely routine and random slots in my diary now. And th what that does is it focuses us into what we've got to complete by when, because we know we'll be presenting our update at that point. We'll be presenting a recommendation at this point. And therefore you are always targeting. And again, the really key thing is your diary. Get those slots in your diary, get them inked into your diary, and then make sure that you don't leave things to the last minute. So diary management is mega, mega important, both in the workplace and when you're working from home. And then the last thing is you, what we've all learned from, you know, if we were working at home 25 years ago, if this had happened 25 years ago, the collaboration would have been terrible, would have been so difficult. We, we have got the advantage of seeing people like this now, um, you know, and it's not the same as being in the room with yeah, them. companies can actually still function. Yes, exactly. 25 years exactly. ago, they, they would barely function. And it would have been phone calls, and phone calls are so directive, you know, they're, they're so horrible phone calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they're so, they can be so directive. So what we now can do is collaborate. We, we can actually hook up with six of the colleagues and say, can we have a Zoom call in half an hour? And they're probably thinking, phew, it'd be nice to talk to someone mm -hmm. a bit different, wouldn't it? And, you know, you can do the collaboration. You can do, I've got this issue, guys. Or another one is, I've got this idea. I've got it into this position. Give me your feedback on it. And so still act as if they're down the corridor mm -hmm. when they're actually just at the end of the, uh, the return key on the keyboard, aren't they? So, you know, that is, that is another way, is to carry on with a lot of the behaviours that you had. Don't think they're different. It's just a different way to access the same people. So that is how you can really build your autonomy, knowing where you're headed and having the strong and clear guidance to get there. Having boundaries around access to the boss, access to the rest of the team, and then collaborate, collaborate, collaborate. And I think that is really important and I think that's very stimulating and I think the collaboration again if you have great thinking share it with people if you need input to create the shared folder to put ideas get your colleagues to give you 10 ideas between them that you can stick in the folder you may not use them you may not use any of them you may use all of them but what it'll do is it'll give you stimulation to get your thinking going the worst thing that can happen to any of us working at home is that each one of us thinks we've got all the answers. That is the mistake. That is the enemy of clear thinking at home. We haven't got all of the answers. There's another place that you can get an awful lot of answers when you're working at home, and this happened to me yesterday. I googled it. Something that I'd been working on and I'd done maybe a week and a half's work on and I had it all ready and all detailed and all organised. Suddenly yesterday morning I thought, what happens if I googled this? And I googled it. And I found something that was so much better than everything that had taken me one and a half weeks to do. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm kidding myself here, Carol, you've wasted one and a half weeks, but no, I hadn't. Because when I saw the thing that was better than what I'd done, 
I knew it was better than what I'd done because I'd done it, if that makes any sense oh, at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because I knew it was better than anything I could churn out or turn out. And believe me, this is something that requires a lot of specialist knowledge. And my eyes popped out and I thought, oh, Carol, never ever forget the Google or, or whatever you want to call it, but never ever forget the Google. Well, that's something I was going to mention as you were talking about, okay? it's, it's this whole best practice for yourself. Yeah. For someone we both know who's been self-employed what three years now, they during the pandemic have decided not to be on social media at the weekends. And they were pretty much from the word go always available and whatever. And they found it's revolutionized everything. Just closing down the whole social media aspect of their, their weekend. So when they do work Monday to Friday mm. in their case, the whole clarity, mm. the enthusiasm, the productivity. And I, I think that that's a lesson for all of us that even though we're not maybe close to colleagues or in that typical place we work, that doesn't actually mean you're not going to grow and learn a lot of things about yourself. Because hmm. you have to be, as Carol says, you have to be very self-motivated, a self-leader. You've, hmm. got, you've got to establish your routines. Yeah. And no one else can help you on this. Yeah. There's no one going to come around and give you any tips and clues because they're in the same boat as well. Every single hmm. person in your, in your team has got to find their own routine. So if, um, again, let's turn this on its head because it is thinking that's different in the shed. Mm. Remember that? Let's turn this around. So what's, the, what's, one of, what's one of the best things that any business or employer can do for their people? Give them more autonomy. What else is one of the best things that businesses can do? Help people be more confident, mm. self-leadership, and... Yeah. Um, in control of their own destiny, that's the autonomy thing again. What if this opportunity we've been given is the best thing that could have happened to each of us personally to grow our human skill set, to grow our thinking skill set, to grow our adaptability, to grow our flexibility? Now, I know what all of those words are about. Those words are about the human skill set for the future. Because a lot of people have worked in the same role for a very long time in the current world of work. And, mm. um, you know, the, the, the generation um, be, before us, before me, would have a job for 30 or 40 years. There are people I know who've been in a, um, worked in a bank since they left university and for 40 years. And those jobs are starting, they're, they're becoming less. They're people of my generation. But people behind me, you know, we, they say now that when you leave an American university, you will probably have 22 different roles, not, not, not different jobs, not, not like promotions, sorry, completely different jobs in your working life. And I would have to say, if everyone has a full working life in the future, because the predictions of what technology is going to do means that what is called work in the future will be nothing like what we think is work today. Um, and so that's all, you know, it's, on many levels, it's fantastically interesting. Um, I don't know if when I left college and went to work in retailing on day one, I knew, I, I could have ever predicted what the heck I would have done. Well, it was, well it's not being rude. I, mean, I don't think we saw what happened to retail. Just think yeah. how in the 80s retail yeah. just exploded. Yeah. The retail you know today didn't exist in the 70s. But what I do know, and this comes back to this whole thinking, because people said about clarity, they said to me, the clarity of thinking, how clear is your thinking? Well, the first thing about thinking is practice thinking. 
Now, what I don't in, um, encourage is overthinking on points of minutiae and points of detail and points of introspection. What I do encourage people to do is to try new ways of thinking about things. See something, find it difficult, see if you can think differently about it, and better still, if you look at the work of Byron Katie, think the absolute opposite of it to what you think, and see how that works for you in terms of something. Um, someone I, <clears throat> in, as, as a retailer, someone I would admire, on one level perhaps not, because they became gargantuan, but someone I admired, and I know when they started their career out, because when Pete and I got married, I was sent to America to train um, on retailing, and I saw in 1985 for the first time a Walmart, and there were only 11 of them, I think, in 1985, and I saw the first one, and I was blown away by it, and it is a business model that made absolutely no sense to every retail business model mm. I'd ever seen. A 100,000 square foot store in a population of 10,000 people, mm. that was totally the opposite to everything I knew. But over the years, I saw it become the most amazing phenomenon. And it was founded by a man, Sam Walton, with a corner shop um, in, Benton, I think it was Bentonville, Arkansas, or, or that's where his headquarters was for sure. Um, however, what I knew, learned about him was he had 10 rules for retail success. And one of them was when everyone else is swimming downstream, swim upstream. And I'm a maverick. We know I'm a maverick. And I have been lucky to work in the world of retail, which is full of maverick thinkers and maverick behaviors. And so many of the great retail, uh, the, the great retail sort of guru barons who, who have owned and run retail businesses have been maverick thinkers. And um, that, you know, it's no surprise that we end up with a lot of mavericks in retail, a lot of can do mavericks. So for me personally, I love thinking. I love being given a really difficult problem or challenge, not being given one arising or being presented because I want to think about it. And the rules for thinking at home are the same as every other rule of thinking at work, which is, what is the problem? Define it. Define what this a problem, opportunity, challenge, what is it? And you know, it's not about spending hours and weeks defining it. It's like, right, what's the problem? Tell me what the problem is. What is the problem? That's my problem. Okay, what options have you got to deal with it? What are they? How do you rank those options? What is stopping you doing your preferred option? What are the things that you need to get into place? Get on with it, try it, see what you learn. Because the minute you try that, you will know how to do it better. And that is clarity of thinking. And that is how you get your thinking in a row. The other thing I think I've learned in my career that helps with the scenario we're in is there is no new thinking. There's a lot of new thinking about how we're gonna live our lives today, but Peter Glover's favorite movie, along with almost every man that I seem to know of any age group, including Jason Goldberg, is Back to the Future. And so much thinking that applies today is, is, exists in the, the past. And some of it is in the far past as well. Mm. I wouldn't say it's in the recent past. I'd say it goes back. So we use words like sustainability. You know, in the war, in the, in the Second World War, Peter's parents were living completely sustainable lives because they were having to produce whatever they could produce. Whatever they could produce is what fed them. That's sustainability. Not, 
I'd like to have everything that doesn't grow anywhere and I'd like to import it all. No, they had to sustain themselves and they had to do it by eating what they did, uh, what they could produce. So that is thinking. It's, it's, the thinking is all there. Find something that inspires you. Pinch it from somewhere else. This is what disruptive thinking is. And actually, I would argue that being out of the corporate influence while you're working at home gives you the opportunity to think about very different ways of doing things and trying things and who else knows you know you're not you're not standing up and, and or chatting to everyone and they're going that's ridiculous actually if people do that to me i think oh this is good i'm going to pursue it even more that's the interesting thing to go back to our clary wall an interesting commentary piece now is that they're very interested how many employees will be quite keen not to work full-time in an office again. Mm. You know, we're talking about all the, mm. all the obstacles in some ways, all the pitfalls of working mm. at home. But as we keep doing this, it's now eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks, time passes. Some people are actually going to start to find they really, they're more productive, they enjoy their work mm. more. They're not saying they never want to go back into the office mm. again, but they can do three days at home, mm. you know, two and three, whatever split you want to do. Mm. They're quite open to that. So mm. in some ways, maybe what Carol's saying tonight is that a lot of people without knowing it are kind of working it out. Yeah. Maybe again, because yeah. they're talking to other colleagues over time. Yeah. And, and, and in some ways, it's more personal. Yeah. You have to share how you're all getting on. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting. You wouldn't normally do that in a workplace. You wouldn't normally have that sort of conversation with somebody. So that in itself is kind of interesting. I think to get one of my favorite phrases in tonight, I think what I'm getting from this discussion tonight is that it's that phrase, no one is too small to make a difference. If we're going to have 22 different jobs in the mm. future, you've got to find a, a way that wherever you are, you can make a difference. Because mm. it's all about, as Carol mentioned, it's all about collaboration. Mm -hmm. It's all about interconnectedness. Mm. This is what the world's going to be. And you're all going to be part of maybe a global team or certainly mm. a much bigger team. But you're like any sports team. You're only as good as the weakest part of that team. You've got your superstars, the bosses in this case, or the, you know, the CEOs, but at the end of the day, in these smaller teams, you've all got to just, mm -hmm. just live your potential. Yeah. If you do that, that, that's any team. And I think, yeah, maybe we're learning this and now we're at home, curiously enough. Maybe with people, you know. Well, I think the other thing is that to work at home and work remotely, you need much more clarity about what you're there for mm. you know it's easy to go into the office and push the keyboard around all day or you know whatever and, and there are jobs there are jobs that are like that or push the keyboard around get a couple of coffees and whatever but what you need is a lot more clarity when you when you are at home so why why what is the purpose of what you're doing what is the purpose of your role your team your organization do you know that when you know the purpose, what are the priorities? This is down to leadership. And I think one of the most interesting things about this current scenario is the, the, the pressure on leaders. Um, because it's, it's almost impossible to manage when everyone's working remotely. You need leadership. You need leadership. You need to make sure that people have got the skills and the skill set they need. You need to check in regularly. You need to review progress. You obviously, I want you to think differently. Yes, I want you to have clarity, but the checking in and the reviewing pros progress, I think it's as much the responsibility of the person working at home as mm. it is for anyone else to check in with them. I think it's a two way street. This it's yeah. the two way communication. Don't wait to be asked how you're getting on. 
if you're struggling a bit then it's up to you to be proactive about it because a bit of a struggle can become very very demotivating if it's left so those are the times when you must to use peter said mm. self-leadership you must use your own self-leadership and ask for that bit of help and ask for that bit of input but i think the interesting thing is that we are going to see so many amazing ideas come out of this period. I, the reason I can say that is I mentor people who are having amazing aha moments, brilliant ideas, testing them, trying them. A lot on the online world, no one knows what's going no on. No one's really paying that much attention. No, no one knows. Interesting. It's like a test book, yeah. I just, I yeah. have a, a little expression that I use with them and I say, you know, the great thing is you're trying all this, you're doing it. And the great thing about the online world is, you know, you can get that idea out there. You can get it out there super quickly. There are no barriers to entry. There are no barriers to entry. <laughs> you, yeah, exactly. You get it out there, you find that it's brilliant or it's great and people quite like it. Okay, make it greater. It's rubbish, nobody's doing it. Okay, renew it, review it, that's wonderful. But there are people that I'm mentoring who are doing some amazing stuff at the moment. And I keep laughing to them and saying that one day when the world returns to whatever the new future is going to be like, but we're a little bit more connected than mm. we are now and on a human basis, yeah. people are going to say, who did this? Who did this? Who did this? Who did this? And I say... I think it'll be a new global tech. Something will come out globally. Yeah. And we'll think, wow. No, but I mean, even, even in our small, in, yeah, in our yeah, small yeah. world. And then I say to them, it's going to be like Scooby-Doo because someone are gonna, we're gonna, all going to be in a place and someone's going to say, who did this, who did this, who did this? And we'll go, it's the Scooby-Doo mask. It was us. <laughs> because that's what we're all doing. So that, Graham, how to think with more clarity when you're working at home. Thank you. I've been sat listening and I've been working from home for like eight weeks and it now all makes sense Great. Why, why it took me like three weeks to work out how to do it. Yeah, 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 yeah you have to, you've got to work it out, yeah. And yeah. now I've got it worked out, it's actually quite easy. Yeah. Yeah, good. So, yeah. yeah, thank you for that. It was really Thanks, interesting. Sir. Okay, good Thanks, stuff. Sir. Well, thanks, Graham. Thanks for the again. Okay, have a great weekend and we shall see you next Friday. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye. Want to learn how to enjoy life on your terms? Subscribe to What Makes a Maverick podcast or follow me, Carol Glover Coaching, on LinkedIn, Insta and Facebook. And until next time, keep learning, keep living and keep smiling. <laughs>